This podcast contains strong language and is intended for mature audiences. It is for entertainment purposes only. Hi, everyone. I recently sent Candace and Wendy a New York Times op-ed by novelist Jessica Newell that asked a lot of questions regarding the capitalistic exploitation of women's self-esteem and body image by a diet industry masquerading as the wellness industry. A discussion of why we tend to become obsessive with what we eat, how we eat, and why we eat expanded into a discussion about intuitive eating, health at every size, eating disorders, and our own past and present personal baggage around food. We didn't change the conversation as much as Ms. Noel might have wanted us to do, but we definitely examined how people can improve their relationships to food and stand up to the social messages perpetuated by the diet industry behemoth that gets rich off of making people feel unacceptable and less than. In this episode, we consider how to face off with a diet industry that promotes an impossible thin ideal and elevates restriction to a virtue rather than promoting true healthiness and joyous self-acceptance. We hope this conversation gets you thinking and that you continue it with your friends and loved ones, or maybe, as Ms. Noel hopes, just enjoy your hamburger and talk about things other than what you aren't eating and what you hate about your body. All right, let's go and let's break this cycle. Superfly ladies. Yeah, you could be big bone long as you feel like you own. You could be the model type, skinny with no appetite. Short stack, black or white, long as you do what you like. Body out of sight, body, body out of sight. She does a two step and a tongue drop. She does a cabbage patch and the bus stop. She likes electro, she loves hip hop. Can you hear me now? Am I good? Yeah, that's good. Candy girl. All right, all right. You look so sweet. <laughs> Go for it. No, I don't even remember the thing. I'm just so happy Candace is here. We haven't Aww. seen her in so long. I love you, Wendy. Yay, I love you, Candace. Jenny. I love you, Candace. Yeah, we haven't seen you in forever. Happy, happy, beautiful. Happy. Welcome back, everybody. Los Angeles Day. It's gorgeous today. It's gorgeous here on a beautiful Sunday. Uh, thanks, podcast listeners, for tuning into the relationship show. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> Why do I say things twice? Twice? I don't know. No, no. <laughs> See? I'm echoing, echoing. <laughs> All right, sorry. Uh, so, welcome back to the relationship show with. Dr. Wendy and Miss Jenny. I'm Miss Jenny. And I'm Dr. Wendy. And we're two LA-based psychotherapists hoping to help you improve your relationships to everything and everyone. And today, as we've already said, our amazing friend Candace is with us here live in person in the flesh. All three of us in the same room. Thank you. It's happening, people. It's all happening. And so... We wanted to have a conversation about this article that I had sent you guys um, about a month ago. I actually read it, by the way. <laughs> Just letting you know. Because, you know, you lo- like you are really brainy, and I feel that you are very brainy and um, love to read, like researcher, like writer, like you're brainy. And so it's, if you notice with me, I sometimes can't sleep. And so at 3 a.m. I'll shoot you like, you know, a couple little snippets of videos or like a short article. But homegirl, you love to just like, when you send stuff, it's so important. And then you send it right before the podcast. And then I end up, you like not a lot do I read it. Just because I'm probably ADD and all over the place. But this one I read. I'm just telling you, I'm kind of excited because I read it. 
And you're the one. It was great. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Oh, so this was an article, in, and thank you for all those kind words. I think I think they were kind. They sounded kind to me. Yes, I'm going to take them, right? You're a beautiful, brainy chick. Thing is, is that anybody who's listening who really knows me is probably like throwing up a little bit in their mouth, not thinking I'm particularly brainy. I so, think you're but brainy. But I, I take that as a high compliment because I love brainy people. Yeah, you're like hot librarian. <laughs> you are. I'm just saying. I am. Because I would not, if, if I had a if I if I had a porn niche, it hot would librarian. Be, yeah, I would be hot librarian with plaid. Like, yeah, yeah. But uh, of that's course. right. That's right. My fetish. Yeah, yes. So the article was uh, from June eighth uh, this year, twenty nineteen, in the New York Times, called "Smash the Wellness Industry," and it was an opinion piece by a novelist, uh, Jessica Knoll. Um, so, thoughts? Do you guys remember anything from the article or? See, that's where I should have printed it out because I'm a visual person. I can pull it up on my phone. But here's the thing. Before we talk about this topic, can I just say one thing I need to get out of my head? <clears throat> I went to Starbucks before I got here. And this will, this will blend into the topic. And I'm so angry because this is the first time I never got a straw, but I got a sippy cup. What the fuck? Yeah. We got, we got so serious sad. sippy cup action now. What the heck with no straw? My oral fixation is fucked up. So we got to get you those reusable straws. They now have ones that, that I mean, they can no, like that's fold nasty. up and stuff like that. No, that's nasty. And then the paper one, fuck that one. Yeah, but, Like, I'm sorry but about the is... dolphins. I need my straw. <laughs> you are on a greased pole to hell. No, I'm just saying to you, like, I don't like change. <laughs> All right. I, I can get with that. Well, the sippy cup... I'm not two. Feels like a sippy cup. I'm afraid it's going to like, I'm I'm afraid it's going to drip down my chin. I just don't like, I don't like change. Do you, Candace, did you, do you like the sippy cup or a straw? Weigh in here. I um, appreciate the sippy cup because I do think it's kind of green and it's saving the earth a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) But the paper, the paper um, straws, they start to disintegrate after a while. And so I think that's. One of the issues with that too, as well. As Wait, what? what oh, yeah. If I if I get a uh, yeah. get one of the paper straws and yeah. you know I'll they sip to, the same. Yeah, it's iced like tea it goes limp. The night. Yeah, it goes limp <laughs> and it starts to. And ain't nobody like limp. I'm sorry, but <laughs> just saying. I'm green too, by the way. Okay, I care about it. This earth. but <laughs> I really the dolphins. You no, don't no, care no. about the fucking dolphins. No, God bless the dolphins. No, I'm just saying to you, I don't like changing, so that's the point. And I never got a sippy cup, so it's very new. And I just was like driving away, going. If I knew that they tried to sneak the sippy cup, I would have stopped for a second, really took a beat, looked at it, and said, could I please have my straw? But I think they're going to start not using straws. Yeah. And now you have to ask for them. That's one thing that bothers me, is having to ask for them in restaurants. Oh, yeah. Because... It's like crack. Yeah. And and it's a... Yeah. And they're like hoarding it. (laughs) Yeah. Come come in the back. Come in the back. You want a straw? They taunt you. You want a straw? They're like just, you know, they're Indian kind of, dance. They're poking out of their little pocket and their yeah. apron. And Ask for it. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'm sorry that so, I ran through it. So just the general, um, just a, so so the general overall thing. You, you don't oh, have good, to have you. read this article if you're listening to this podcast. But the the general premise was that the writer had been out to lunch with her uh, other professional females and immediately the conversation was all about everything that they hated about their bodies and it was all about what they could and couldn't eat Mm -hmm. and about restricting 
and she was talking about um, how women were tearing themselves apart and limiting their food choices and um, uh, let's see what else oh and just she started talking about how the wellness industry is the diet industry and how it is basically just it's dangerous yeah that it's dangerous and it's a money-making machine and it just feeds into the continuation of the idea for women that you're not you're not right you're unacceptable in some way that you have to be constantly trying to reach a goal weight or be some way or another um but the article that she wrote or the the opinion piece she wrote kind of focused specifically on uh dieting mm -hmm. too you know i know we 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 talk about it i mean and I, I was just at a dinner recently with three other women mm -hmm. who are all pretty strong feminists and everybody was talking about mm -hmm. that what we ate what we didn't eat and our bodies and things you know what what are changing as we get older and all I mean of it's these a normal things. conversation with women I think. yeah mm -hmm. yeah um, so but the question is uh, like one of the things that she asks in the article is um, I gazed around the restaurant longingly wondering what the men eating cheeseburgers were talking about <laughs> so you know that there's also this idea or this fantasy she has that men don't have these conversations mm -hmm. which I also disagree with I, I mean I don't think they have them with the frequency or the fervor that women do you mm -hmm. know um, but I think men more and more have conversations about what they're eating what they're not eating I, I know people I work with We'll talk about what they're eating and not eating. The guys, yeah. yeah. Too. So I mean, unfortunately, I, I think it's it's not as gender specific anymore. So, anyways, thoughts, feelings. I hear more more about the uh, keto diets and paleo diets, and um, I'm trying carb... keto right now. You are? Yes, oh, I cool. am. Uh, when I'm not eating pasta, pizza, and <laughs> cookies, crackers, ice cream, and pancakes. Um, so I don't believe in all or nothing black or white. Yeah. So, um, you know, so I, I, I like to try different things. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's interesting to me, but it all goes back to the point of this article, which is, I think what we'll talk about a little bit more, which is intuitive Intuitive eating, eating yeah. and shame. Yeah. And I, I, and you know, I'm, so I'm an eating disorder advocate and a body positivity and disorder eating advocate too as well. And, you know, the way I look at it is that I'm not all or nothing. And so um, there's also this term called health at every size that I'm, I'm really, really, really like so attracted to. And I love Linda Bacon, who's the one who sort of uh, was the founder of health at every size. And, and it's just that, that you can be healthy at any size and how our culture really stigmatizes somebody who's living in a larger body and how physicians will immediately go to, uh, well, you must be unhealthy, right? Because you're at this weight or this BMI or as, you know, as a clinician or as somebody who's serving an outreach, I get so many phone calls from other treatment centers going, well, we happen to have this, you know, client who's at this, you know, who's living in a larger body and, you know, they're at this certain weight in BMI. So therefore, they must need eating disorder <laughs> help too as well. And so that's where my education comes in. Well, how do you know they have an eating disorder? Because eating disorders are not just defined anymore just by your weight or your BMI or your size. It's much more about the behavior. And how many times do we get parents who send their children in for emotional, you know, academic mm -hmm. or social struggles and they also say they're obese or they're this or that, like they're the doctors or they're the clinicians. 
you know, all I care about, honestly, is number one, that somebody's healthy, and yeah. number two, how you feel about yourself. Yep. And so when I get kids, teens, that don't feel great about themselves, that's when we kind of expand it to maybe a nutritionist or, sure. you know, some other, you know, mm-hmm. want to make sure that the doctor, uh, you know, that everything's yeah. healthy. Um, yeah. Yep. And so I'm going back to health at every size too, because I, I have what's known as thin privilege because I, I'm living in a smaller body, but with having thin privilege, I, and, and going, thinking about health at every size, um, this fear of saying the word fat, there's also this fear of talking about like body shape or size that it's really bad or that there is this thing of like, if you want to try keto diet or paleo diet, right, you're, you're a horrible person. So there's the other extreme, right, too, as well. I'm really along the philosophy of as long as you are making healthy choices, right? It's not all or nothing that you allow yourself some pleasure. Because to me, the relationship with food is about nourishment, fuel, and pleasure, period. And so if you want to try something and you've checked out with your doctor and it's okay to do, that's great. But I just don't think our culture is really giving the true science behind it. And that's where I get really, really, really upset when I'm having more and more clients coming in going, you know, it's the all or nothing, right? As far as a keto keto diet or a paleo diet, because the psychoeducation I want to give them is that the gut is your second brain. So a lot of people, there's more and more research behind a microbiome diet and that serotonin lives in your gut. I think they're saying about 80, 85% of serotonin is there, right? And so if you're off balance with that, then therefore it is going to affect your moods too as well. And so uh, Jenny and, and Wendy, we all know as clinicians, we're looking holistically like self-care. It's not just about sleep and community. It's also about nutrition and fuel, right? And finding the balance in things, right? And feeling good about ourselves too as well. So I think before someone jumps into those diets, I just want them to have all the information possible before they jump in. Right. Because it also comes down to lifestyle alteration. Mm-hmm. The, the, the the problem with diets as I have found having gone on them in my life um, is is that it's not a permanent thing it's just you know and it's we're all looking for sort of this quick fix and we want it to happen right now and I I know that we're programmed like that as humans but I, I feel like it's gotten worse and worse too as our culture has become more technologically advanced and therefore what we get information and solutions uh, faster. And so we expect that with our body, which has a process in its of its own, and that we need to find ways to integrate the good things we learn from the diets that we're on, you know, that are going to work for us in the long term and be healthy and sustainable, mm-hmm. because that's the problem is, you know, eventually you're going to get sick of that diet. And that's one of the things that um, this woman talks about in this article, too, that that feeling of when you're denying yourself and that this goes into the intuitive eating stuff. Um, So intuitive eating is basically just that it's where you, you come to a place in space um, where you are getting in touch with your body. Right. And so it's the mindfulness, right? It's getting in touch with your body, removing judgment, having the conversation. What, you know, what do you need right at this point in time to feel good, to have, you know, it, it, you know, is it to have energy to get through my day? Right. Is it a celebration with friends? Right. And so 
when you start to have those conversations with your body, removing shame, removing judgment, that's what true intuitive eating is. And I think a lot of people get fearful because they're like, well, that just means that I can just allow myself to just do whatever I want to do and then it's going to go off haywire. And what I find is if you give your body what it needs, it 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 will tell you, right? It totally. will give you signals to stop. It will, yeah. you know, those are those hunger fullness cues, right, that we get in touch with. Because when we get to fullness cues, you ask yourself, am I eating because I'm bored? Am I eating because I'm sad and lonely? Or am I nourishing yes. myself? Because, yeah. And, yes. And there's more love. Like, yeah, am I yeah. eating it because it's there, too? I'm, yeah. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking I'm about mad. I'm thinking about the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, I love no. the Cheesecake Factory. No, no slamming on it. But yeah. the portions it's there are just huge. Ridiculous. Yeah. You know, and it, if you sit there long enough and you're enjoying your time with people, yeah. you can find yourself eating way more than you need or want to but but and the thing of it is is that it's looking at also too doing it one two or three times is no big deal right does that make sense yeah so if it's gone overboard then we have a discussion then around what that looks like right right? the habituation of these behaviors yeah because binge eating disorder is not people think binge eating disorder is just sitting around in a cow you know i hate to say the couch potato right you're just sitting around lazy I'm, I'm sorry I, I don't believe that I'm just saying what society you know people think it. of as binging disorders simmering potato chips and just being lazy and just la- eating lots of lots of enormous food all throughout the day sure binging disorder is a compulsion where you are desperately trying to regulate your anxiety depression totally. yep. you're, you're just you can't stop it and, and it's like periods of time you're just I hate to say sh- but you're just shoveling the calories and the food so you can get your dopamine fixed in your and body and you're not chewing and you're gulping yes. and just suffering yeah. Yeah. You know, it's all the anxiety and the, yeah. you know, I, I have tremendous empathy, especially for my teens and young adults. I mean, for anybody, but, you know, when they're teenagers where there's so much emotional chaos going on at home and they're just numbing out, um, you know, it, it, listen, some people numb out on drugs, on alcohol, on cigarettes and, you know, and, and food is definitely one of them. And... You know, the, the parents will say, well, I know, you know, they're not eating. There's no way they're eating, you know. There's, there's no way they're, they're, I don't know when you're doing it. I don't bring junk into the, then the parents go in the waiting room and you talk to the, to the teen and you are relaxed and you've got this trusting relationship and they say, yeah, you know, everybody goes to bed and I'm just, just quietly going into the kitchen and, and just filling that whole trying to fill that endless hole of anxiety and uh, trauma and and depression and sadness and 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 food becomes my friend and then food becomes my my friend in life and and then later on you're an adult and before you know it you know food is your best friend mm-hmm. until you learn how to put words mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. and that becomes a cycle sometimes of the purging which is to release right which also, yeah, and yeah. then and then mm. you've got the the reward after yeah. of the adrenaline and the uh, norepinephrine. Is that it, right? That or that is it. Too. That is the dopamine. Yeah, I think norepinephrine is adrenaline. But there's that whole cycle that people get caught yeah. in, and it's mm. it's interesting because when C- Candace was talking, and then when you were talking, both of you at, at different times it used images um, that that evoked in me how I felt when I was a smoker. Right, that same that mm. that compulsion, especially like when you're really anxious or nervous about something, and you're like, I'm going to go have a cigarette, and you're like walking around in a circle and just smoking as if yeah. you can like suck the whole thing down, yeah. and you know now time flat and that jonesing, yeah, yeah. 
and it's also stimulus response right so even if you're not thinking about it and there's a subconscious feeling you go and you know as a teen i could relate because i did that same thing but my you know i think the the discussion also what we see with our parents you know what what behaviorally do we see right i'm an attachment therapist so it's the genetic component but it's also behaviorally how we connected how we attached my my mom struggled with the eating disorder her whole life and then, you know, as a chubby teen, she looked at my trash can. She looked at, you know, did you eat, did you eat candy today? And all the shame. And I would say no. And then she would put the candy wrappers on my bed and say, well, what is this? That was all her triggers. And then she would say, oh my God, you know, when we went out to dinner, bread is the enemy. And so the waiter would come and say, would you like bread? And she goes, no, thank you. But then I decided you know at some point I don't need her approval yes could you please bring the bread back but then I would eat at her and then eat more and I would gain weight just because it was her trigger so, so I've talked to dynamic. a client about a similar thing I don't want to cut you no, off no, no. but but I see that as we'll like you're all day girl like, <laughs> like, no but I, I see this as um like eating as an act of rebellion right I mean it's like when you're when you're like looking at your mom just putting the bread in your mouth like try to stop you know yeah like, and it wasn't yeah. even my battle it right. was just her communication she didn't get it growing up you know so 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 she didn't have the words to say this is my struggle my trigger i'm learning how to get healthier about it and but, so but we on the other side when we're told we can't have something like candy which you know strangely enough nobody ever told me not to have candy and i love candy and i Right. And I'm just like, I'm a sugar, I'm definitely a sugar addict. Um, but, you know, when you're told you can't have something, you want it more. And then and then indulging in it does feel like a big fuck you to the people who tell you that you can't have it. And it's just like, you're not going to control me. This is, it's my body. It's what I can put in or take out of it whatever I want. And, and that's, I, I mean, you can speak to this more, Candice, but that's my understanding too of, of, What's underneath a lot of eating disorders, too, is this feeling of needing to control the one thing that the individual can, which is themselves, their body. Yeah. So eating disorder, like, it's also called ED in the community, too, as well, because it is sort of like, we want to say inner child, right? And so really, I mean, everyone has different sort of philosophies, but in general, the philosophy is that you make peace, right? It's making peace. It's not removing, right, Ed yeah. or the eating disorder because yes. it, it, it served a purpose. It yes. kept, it, it helped you survive. For sure. It helped you feel in control. Yes. It later anxiety, depression. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's just like our inner child. We don't get rid of our inner child. So we actually make peace with it. And so yeah. there's a difference with that too as well that, you know, Ed can be roaring up and saying, you know, no, do this or do that. But we make peace with inner child. Like, I, hey, I know you want to do this, but, but. But me, Candace, needs to do this to, to stay on my meal plan, to feel healthy, to feel engaged, to reach my goals. So does that make sense? And a lot of that's aligned, too, with Renee Brown has done a lot of work She's with amazing. eating disorders, with shame resilience, because a big part of eating disorders is the secrecy, right? It's hiding, right? Not letting shame. Oh, incredible shame. and Incredible bearing. Yep. Yeah. And feeling alone, feeling like you're the only person. Um, so... I love that she's, you know, been a huge part of our community and sort of, and, and also Linda Bacon to it health at every size. So, yeah. And I, I just, I think that growing up, that's why I have such respect for children or teens, like early intervention comes in and they learn through therapy how to separate what's your parents, what's yours, 
you know, just giving it a space to kind of share, uh, you know, what, what the food has been symbolic for, mm -hmm. you know, I think for me as a young adult, once I understood through therapy, um, what, what was my mom's, I didn't have that compulsion anymore. I didn't have the secrecy. I didn't have the, it, it was learning about putting words to what all that powerlessness was about. Mm -hmm. And then once you start learning it, and it was back then, I don't think they had the word intuitive, um, you know, eating, mm -hmm. but, but once you, you understand what it's symbolic for, mm -hmm. then, then it doesn't, then you put out the fire cause yeah. it's just, you can make peace like yep. you said with it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And, and there's such pressure such pressure, especially for the mothers and daughters that put, mm -hmm. you know, the, that impact. There's been a long-standing social idea that thin is better, mm -hmm. uh, thin is ideal, that thin is healthy when it's not necessarily healthy and mm -hmm. doesn't it doesn't make anybody a, a better person because mm -hmm. they're thin. Mm -hmm. There, there's also um, a lot of shaming around bodies that are that are larger in any mm. in any way and like this overwhelming obsession for people you're talking about the paleo the keto i was thinking about the the blood type diet that intermittent fasting intermittent, is really bad, big right now too as well and and then there's been all the ones like the atkins mm. and and then there are diet plans like um Lindora, Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig. I did Jenny Craig in my early 20s. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was grateful for it in a lot of ways because mm -hmm. I I became more thoughtful about what I was eating. Yeah. And so that was helpful. And yeah. some of the things that I started doing then really structured my eating for a long time after mm -hmm. that. But that's the only, uh, that's the only diet or meal plan that I've ever been on. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I don't, I am so for anything that makes you more mindful and makes you feel better, more energy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm totally, absolutely a thousand percent with that. I'm just always a little concerned when it becomes an all or nothing or I can see, you know, some people that I hang out with that are super into, you know, um, I can't have any, any type of carb whatsoever. And if I do, then therefore I've ruined that my plan. And then if I ruin, you know, the sense of like, it goes into the shame, right? Blaming yeah. themselves, the shame, the good and the bad food, yeah. the, the food policing. Yeah. Yeah. What did you all yeah. see growing up? I'm just curious from your mom's. Well, I grew up in the South, so I mean, I, I, I certainly think it was a learned behavior that being thin and, you know, watching your weight as a woman and being able to fit into a size zero or four, you're, you're accepted. If you're over four, you're probably not, you know, unless you're quite tall. Um, but that's, you always just put a smile on your face and you look pretty. I mean, that was certainly part of my my inner world. It's And I'm not blaming my mom. That's just the world that she came from too as well. So she was that, pressured. Oh, yeah. Def, I think society, for sure. Like your hair, your nails. Did she do know. that to you? Um, I don't, I don't. Subconsciously? Think, I think she definitely would say things at times. And, and you know, and, and again, she's coming. I, I, I don't blame her. But she would say, oh, you shouldn't eat those potato chips or the cornbread or, you know, all that butter or all that this and that. Yum. Right. Like that might be. Yummy. Know, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Lower yeah. place. Which, again, is I'm not blaming her. That's just part cornbread. of her. Oh. 
her culture and her upbringing. So, I mean, I get it. So, um, but I, I'm thankful because she did instill, like, in the sense of, like, looking at um, nourishing So there's education. Too. Yeah. So there's education yeah. and not necessarily having to be obsessive. Yeah. Um, what did you see growing up, Jenny? I sent you guys something that I had written, and so this, I'm, I'm not even going to, I'm just going to read, read the it, little it thing. Lovely. It was lovely. Um, I read that. It was lovely. With my mother, this is something I wrote about it. My mother quietly comments on the size of strangers and friends alike. She scrunches her face, making clever remarks about someone's lack of self-control. It's worse if she thinks they don't know how to dress for their size. It's bad enough to be large, she suggests, but large and styleless seems a particularly egregious offense. Mind you, my mother has committed plenty of fashion crimes in her day, especially in the age-appropriate division. Point being, my mother is a class A sizist, although she thinks she's not because some of her best friends are overweight. This is like believing because you have friends of color, you are not a racist. At the same time, she used to be drawn to heavier set men with plumber's butt. And I'm serious. It became a running bit after my older sister Hallie and I caught her and called her out on it. One might say my mother leaned into it. Regardless of how cool she might be around her larger friends and men who belt their pants mid-buttock, she's conveyed her relief that she doesn't have heavy-set daughters. That's what I grew up around. I mean, I had other people around me. You know, food is always a thing. Food's in a, food means love in my family, but not in the way that other families where it's like, uh, well, well, I guess in... For my grandparents, it was. They would cook these huge meals, and so, you know, there'd be these big family gatherings, very Norman Rockwell-like, you know, uh, scenarios with food, and you just, you had to eat everything, or you couldn't have dessert, and again, I'm a fucking sugar junkie, so it's like, all right. And my sister, my older sister, was a really picky eater, and she was like a beanpole, and I was like short and squat, and she was tall and thin, and I would just eat anything too to kind of be that like I'll eat it you know she won't eat that I'll eat it I would do whatever she wouldn't do I would do to try to gain my own positioning in my own favor yeah Uh and so that's that was what it was like for me with food growing up but I loved my sweets but you know I was also she was also just always torturing me about how fat I was and you know, I knew that this was something I didn't want to be eventually, you know. And then when I got to middle school and everybody else was sort of uh, evolving isn't right, the right word. What I'm thinking, everybody else is kind of coming into their own. How lovely to have a figure that's round instead of flat. I, it was like I just kept waiting. And then I spent like a whole summer just eating banana chips and grapefruit which I cannot eat either of them anymore uh just trying to lose weight and I just when I was like 12 or 13 and we were off to the races but up until then I was just like I'll eat anything I love food give me cookies I this just like jawbreakers the size of fists you know the size of that (laughs) just like sucking on it for days just sitting in front of the tv just (laughs) sucking on a giant jawbreaker you know, before cigarettes. <laughs> Life's lovely when you're a woman like me. Like if you're not anorexic or bulim or bulimic, mm-hmm. uh, 
are there other things that are considered eating disorders? Yes. So there's something called RFAD, which is an OCD-driven eating disorder. So it's um, avoidant restrictive food uh, intake disorder. And so what that is, is um, I, I don't want to marginalize it, but a good example would be like um, uh, kids who might be on the spectrum. Um, and so they uh, taste or texture, right? They can only eat a certain sort of texture food, a certain color of food, right? Um, I had a client who had RFED who had accidentally uh, uh, swallowed a chicken bone and she almost choked to death. And so was therefore, um, because of that episode, scared to eat solid foods. And that would make perfect sense. And then it kind of full blown into the salt, certain sort of um, salt foods then were off limits for her. So um, those are, you know, definitely um, also considered what people, because people think it's only black and white. People think it's either you're underweight or you might be living in a larger body or you're binging and purging. There's also sort of anxiety driven, sort of disordering behaviors. There's also like, as we like to also, uh, talk about like they don't some eating disorders they don't fit in a pretty box um some clients will chew and spit food out oh yeah but they will still hold their weight right does that make sense the bmi the weight will still be the same but they're chewing food and spitting it out because it's you know getting anger out getting fear out getting aggression out you know all the things that we're afraid to talk about in our society right so so I always, you know, urge people to be very open and remove, remove judgment that it's not just, you know, as with anybody with any type of addiction or any type of anxiety or depression, it's all just not a cookie cutter. It comes in different stories and narratives and cultural backgrounds and different stories of pain and trauma. Yeah, I was just going to talk about the whole industry of Spanx. You know, this article talks about Spanx. Mm -hmm. And do you ever see those those commercials and on YouTube and everything? I mean, just these beautiful women who are just sucking their bodies in and mm -hmm. like I mean it's one thing if it's you want to look beautiful and everything but it's another if you know I, I had a client who talks about the struggle of wearing two sets of Spanx oh, wow. just because they just and and uh, what do you call it a waist trainer mm -hmm. just because they want to look like Kim Kardashian Ouch. And is it real that, you know, celebrities get ribs removed so that they can have the small little waist? And yeah. can we just talk a little bit about the impact of these media celebrities and what these young women are seeing as well? Um, I think, you know, behind closed doors, they don't see that these people are working with nutritionists or they're working out five times a day and they're going to plastic surgeons. I mean, getting, you know, uh, liposuction mm -hmm. every week. Yeah, it, it, it becomes a, an impossible standard. It becomes uh, unrealistic, yeah. too, because the majority of the population is comparing themselves to the tiniest sliver of the population. Mm -hmm. And it, there's so very few people who are naturally built the way that models and, and actresses are, and, you know, I'm sure Instagram stars, you know, people that... that, that the person with the normal average body, you know, us sitting here, like we're actually, we're normal. We're not the freaks, but we feel like freaks because we don't look like the people in the movies. Mm -hmm. We don't look like the people in the magazines. Uh, you know, we're shorter. I have, I've got no tits whatsoever. You know what I mean? It's just like, I, it's, I must be wrong. You look boobalicious. I don't well, know what you're talking about. I got good bras. Yeah. But you know, and, and I also have what's proportionate to my body and what my body is like. And that's mm -hmm. also, I know part of the intuitive eating mm -hmm. 
I, uh, one of their principles is too, to kind of accept your body as it is, you know, it's giving gratitude for your body too. And so a lot of the work is, is that it's reframing instead of the shaming, like totally. I, hate how, I hate how big my hips are, my stomach or my, my boobs, my arm, you actually find gratitude. Like I'm thankful that my hips are why, right? If you want to, if that's your language, that they're why, because they give me an opportunity to get up in the morning, to walk, right? To run faster, to do more errands, to, does it make sense? Like my, I love the size of my boobs, you know, because I'm able to breastfeed my children. Or I don't know. I'm, I, or yeah, whatever my, for me, I'm like, yeah. I can run a mile without yeah. a bra. Yeah. And amen. Like yeah. I've, I've, it's reframing it. And yeah. I am not my body. I'm so much more. Yes. yes. You know, I'm enough. I definitely yeah. grew up with trauma and you know, mm. the, so my mom is 80. She's lovely, but she's 80. She grew up with a mom who had an eating disorder mm. and her, she's an identical twin and the twin for some reason doesn't doesn't have that obsession the way my mom does Mm -hmm. but my mom is 80 something Mm -hmm. and and she still struggles if I open up her refrigerator she has coca-cola and um Lay's baked chips (laughs) and she she wakes up in the middle of the night has a swig of coke and a Mm -hmm. couple chips and she's good but you know she's it's so unhealthy uh, but we all try to role model for her, bring her healthy food and mm-hmm. sit with her. And I think her anxiety goes down and then we can. So anyway, she's in therapy and that's an old childhood one for mm-hmm. her. My goal is that people don't get into their 80s yeah. and, and, and still have that pain, mm-hmm. you know. And I think I'm so grateful that I don't have the pain that I did from the trauma and, and combined with the uh, eating disordered thinking or however you want to say it. You mentioned Instagram. There, just currently this week, there is a fascinating um, Instagram uh, person who is very well known and a YouTuber. Her name is Eugenia, and she's very, very well known. She's, I think, in her 20s. She was a Instagram person who uh, was into fashion, but she was extremely anorexic, frightening anorexic. Mm-hmm. And so she went from uh, being well known as like fashion and playful to her whole YouTube community just just begged her to go get help mm-hmm. and was so scared. Literally, she was going to die any day and you could see it. And she didn't talk about her eating disorder. She didn't talk about being anorexic. She didn't talk about anything. She proudly showed her bones. It was so frightening. Mm-hmm. And this week, it was amazing. If you all know Shane Dawson on Instagram and also YouTube, Shane um, does a lot of interviewing. And Eugenia took a break off YouTube and she just recently emerged. And she took a break and she um, showed up on Shane Dawson's channel and her own again and saying, I'm back. She went into a program for a very long time and she looks so good and healthy. And she's finally started talking about her struggles, the pressure, the emotional stuff. And all, I mean, it's just amazing to see that she overnight, not really, but like can change to be inspirational and give hope. Mm -hmm. And she was really, her whole community was so scared. And I was relieved when I said, oh my God, yes. Like Mm -hmm. she chose life Mm -hmm. and I know how hard that is. And it's, it's amazing what's going on with that influencer. And she really is um, going to impact so many people now Mm -hmm. just from her new story of hope and courage and strength. 
I work with um, a nutritionist uh, now because of my my stomach issues and my Crohn's, and I've learned so much from that experience as well. And it's something that I think would benefit so many people instead of going on a diet mm -hmm. that you're reading a book from or you read an article on or whatever to go and actually get somebody who's individually looking at you and what you need health wise. So I get blood work done and I know that this is also a privileged uh, position to be in, to be able to go to the doctor and have this sort of access but if you can or if there are resources available to somebody I, I always recommend that they try to do that f first because like I was I was thin but I was not well I was not healthy I knew I wasn't and that was why I went and um, all of my tests were just showing how malnourished I was you know, when you were talking about your mom with the with the Coke and the Lay's potato chips and, and you know, I, I was at a point where all I could eat, all I could stomach, all I could keep down was toast and uh, toast and pears. And I, I was so deficient in so many vitamins. And those also not only do they um, do they affect how, you know, the strength of our stomach lining and all of that, but it's it impacts our mood and it impacts mm -hmm. our our strength and our ability to have uh, energy, especially for us, like with our clients and things like that, to interact with other people. But what I need to do is not what you might need to do to be healthy and what she might need to do to be healthy. So, you know, there's so many individual mm -hmm. elements to it. And you might be eating a bunch of healthy foods, but they may not be the healthy foods that you actually need. You may need more of something else and less of something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So... And that's, that's exactly why I suggest that people, if, if they have an opportunity to go see a registered dietitian or look a little bit more into it, because not everybody's way of doing keto, or keto, sorry, or paleo diet or intermittent fasting is going to work for your body type, right? Right. So Keto's yeah. not even supposed to be something that you're on for a long period yeah. of time. Yeah. I mean, you're not supposed to be on it longer than like six months or mm -hmm. something like that. And even that's mm -hmm. like a high end and it's you know, it's very specific and your body shuts down one process and starts mm -hmm. another. And I mean, there's a lot of things. It was not developed for the general population to yeah. be doing it. It was developed for diabetics. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I, I think it's always good for all of us to be thinking about what we're eating. And again, like, are we getting what we need? I have to do it because I don't eat animal meat. So mm -hmm. I have to think about how I'm going to get my protein, and that is exhausting. Uh, <laughs> because you I don't want to do think so about much it so more much. too. The, yeah. it's, it's, as far as the amount that you have to eat, is the proteins more right yeah. and to get to get your protein grams in for the day? Well, it feels like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you can get the protein grams eating less food. Yeah. Uh, if you're eating animal. Yeah. Than just plant based. Being, yeah. Yeah. Which is, I, I was just telling a client about this too, who's also, um, they're a vegan and I'm a vegetarian, that I, I had a meltdown because I, I was told I have to take fish oil because I cannot get the amount of uh, omega-3s that I need from, uh, from my plant-based diet alone. I just can't. And it was really, really hard for me after 29 years of not eating meat or eating mm -hmm. fish to have to just even to take one little pill but I also would rather do that than have a heart attack mm -hmm. right so at a certain point too I, 
I had to wrestle with my lifestyle, my my decided and chosen lifestyle, and I had to, it's like, we're talking about change at the very beginning. Like, I don't like, I want a fucking straw, and I don't want to have to take fish supplements, you know? But but I'm like, all right, I'm going to suck it up. I'm going to do it and see if it makes a difference. And if, if it doesn't make a difference, then, then I'm taking it out. But, you know, hopefully it's the right thing. Do you ever notice that uh, some... Did you ever notice that some nutritionists uh, have their own backstory of disordered eating or eating disorder? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not everyone, but most of them, I would say, are drawn to the profession for a specific reason. So they've either had their own story or... Um, you know, a family member or something and just in the sense of like, hey, nutrition changed their lives, right? Something as simple as that made such a huge difference. So yeah. Yeah. And there's some good, like everybody, there's some good registered dietitians and there's not some great registered dietitians, just as with our field, good therapists. And then there's some bad players, as we like to say, in our industry. So when I was a teenager, and again, I think this was my mom projecting onto me because I I didn't know there was a problem until my mom projected that mm. it felt out of control for her to see me chubby, mm-hmm. you know? And so we went to this fancy <laughs> nutritionist and every week, you know, we weighed, measured, all that stuff. And I remember she yelled at me because I ate too much cheese. Mm. The woman yelled at me and she shamed me and she she just, uh, I never went back to her and I just was like horrified like the last thing I needed to do, you know, I got it at home, but now here I'm trusting. Yeah. Yeah. You got to trust someone that is going to help you. Yeah. And I don't even know why I needed the help because it was my mom's issue at mm. that time, not mine. I just know there's, you have to want help mm. and you have to be ready for it and you have to identify what feels helping and loving and kind. You have to have trust, mm. you know, and later on meeting these incredible nutritionists who really do help my clients um, that I learn from all the time. God, I mean, it's not even about the food. It's not even about no. calories. And so when you're looking for a good registered the relationship. Diet, yeah. So you're so speaking on a point because I can't tell you how much pushback I have from some of my clients and I'm, I can't work with you. It's an, it's unethical for me to work with you with an eating disorder if you don't see a registered dietitian and a physician, right? Yeah. Because there's a safety issue there. And I totally get, I, I'm totally validating how fear, it, it just brings up so many feelings of fear and like, I don't want to go. I've had a bad experience before. They're going to be like the food police. They're going to shame me. And I'm like, oh my God, let me give you some You have to have trust and You intimacy. have to have trust. So the people that I work with and collaborate with are really working as conjunctive therapists. So they're sitting with the client. They're doing exposures with the client. They're giving them psychoeducation, not shaming them. Them. And so an example would be like, if their choice is to be a vegan or vegetarian, it's to gently ask them, like, tell me more about that. What does that mean? Is that coming from an eating disorder or is it coming from a value system? See, that's, that's a huge thing. So you're actually saying something that um, I, I, I think I wanted to get to earlier and, and I don't think I was I was getting there eloquently enough, but, but that sometimes people are masking eating disorders by saying, oh, I'm gluten-free now, oh, I'm yeah. vegan now, oh, I'm doing this diet or the next mm-hmm. diet or constantly diet hopping. So mm-hmm. that can sometimes be, is is that kind of what you're, yeah, you're saying called, too? That, it, that, it's the fancy word is orthorexia and orthorexia and uh, in the eating disorder community, is, it's all or nothing. So you've gone into gluten only, right? Or it's only um, fruit only, or it's only this only, or does that make sense? Or it's only protein only. And so... Uh, 
or orthorexia can be someone who overexercises too as well. And so it's gone to the extreme. And then there's a hardcore belief that if you do the balance and you add something else in, something bad is going to happen, right? So and if so, somebody yeah. is a chronic dieter, like hopping yeah. from diet to diet to diet to diet, would they should they consider that they might have an eating disorder? Um, well, it depends on when you always look at eating disorder is how much is it affecting your life? Does that make sense? Like, so yes. are like you, addiction is, yeah, has it made your life thing. unmanageable? We, we all have our idiosyncrasies. We all have our stuff. But how much is this affecting your relationships? How you feel about yourself? Are you engaged in life? Have you gone to physician? Are there some you, the warning flags there too as well? You are know, you like obsessing some, or are you obsessing over it? Is there, you know, rumination surrounding it? Um, and so is it I, affecting your relationships. Yeah. So again, I'm not, I'm not on this bandwagon to not be, I mean, I'll say the word diet, you know, I, I hate the word diet, but I would just say if that's what you, if that's your narrative, right? Even the word fat, I don't like the word fat. It makes me cringe, but if my client wants to say that word. Does that make sense? And right. that's something that they, they want to own. Does that make sense? I'm not putting my own counter transference onto that. So again, I look at balance, 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 right? If you've been on diets for years and you're just unhappy and you feel terrible about your body and does that make sense? And you're shutting yourself off from life, then yeah, we may want to address looking at is there a full-blown eating disorder or is or do we want to call it disordered eating behavior? Disordered eating behavior is you're still does that make sense? You're you're so do you ever feel so so the question really is is do you ever feel okay with your body and feel good about your body? Like, and and are there are there periods of time sure. that you go through that are like that, and then therefore maybe you're, I don't know, I, maybe this is wrong. Maybe you don't have an eating disorder. Yeah. If is it if you're con- if you are constantly dissatisfied with the with your body and and feeling like you have to. Can I give you control? an example? Yes. Please. Okay. So so my dad. Um, and I, this is the other side, which mm-hmm. is my mom had her own activated whatever happened. Um, but my dad, my dad is very playful, Mr. Positive, or you can say Mr. Denial, however you want to say it. Is this, it's like a sweet little teddy bear. So the way he interpreted it is, you know, yeah, I could lose a couple pounds, you know, but he had fun with it. So, so we would try different things. And so, you know, a lot of fathers and sons go and play ball in the park. And my dad and I, every Sunday, Saturday would go to uh, a donut store in the morning and get some coffee. And then we'd go to Weight Watchers and we would uh, go to the meetings where there's usually just like some old Jewish women and um, we would sit and we would weigh in and we would kind of laugh like up two pounds, down two pounds, like, you know, nothing obsessive. And we'd sit there and this woman would would run around with stickers that look like tennis shoes. And she said, who exercised? And my dad said, I'm not raising my hand. I said, dad, raise your hand. And so she would come over and say, looking good and put the sticker <laughs> on his chest. And, and um, you know, it, it was more entertainment and playful. And then we'd go back to that donut shop mm-hmm. and we would buy some donuts and then yeah. go home or get some bagels. And, you know, it was playful, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but then I went on to do like, you know, not Weight Watchers. Then I did Jenny, what? Jenny Craig. Jenny Craig. Yeah. Then I did Nutrisit, like all this stuff. But I, I learned to be playful about it to now adulthood, which is I eat a lot of pizza and I'll go to the restroom and look at myself and I'll say, hey, I didn't murder anyone. I had some delicious pizza and then I'll hug my hips and I 
just say I love myself and, and I put my hand over my heart. I tell you to all my clients to do that, to be grounded, mm -hmm. that that I'm not my body. Mm -hmm. I'm who who am I? You know what I mean? Who I'm a, a caring, loving person and I'm gonna celebrate life. I'm yeah. not going to restrict. I'm gonna be mindful. And it just totally goes back to that intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. You know, I know what makes me feel bloated, what makes mm -hmm. me feel crampy, what makes me feel not fulfilled. Mm -hmm. um, I know when I feel like I'm, um, I could drink a little bit more water. I know when I need to walk a little bit more. Thank God for my doggy because I walk five times a day, not obsessively, but he gets me out. So it's so nice getting older. Yeah, and getting more comfortable <laughs> with where you are. It's wonderful to not have that struggle. Yeah, yeah. it definitely it definitely is. It, and so what you were saying too is part of the intuitive eating thing as well as I understand it. But maybe if I'm if I'm wrong, please correct me. That it's eating what you want mm -hmm. and and paying attention to your fullness and and all of that. But um, it's but, just, it's getting in but, touch with your body. I mean, like intuitive eating is about getting in touch with what your body's trying to tell you because we're so much, we're running around our days. We're not checking in. You know, we talk about this all the time with the clients. Like, do you do check-ins? You know, are you even setting in intentions, gratitude? Like, you know, when you're in that whirlwind, if you're not in touch with, with what's going on with your body, with your life, with your relationship in this world, that's what intuitive eating is. It's really just having the conversation with Gosh, you know, I'm feeling tired right now. I wonder why I'm feeling tired. Oh, when's the last time I actually nourished my body? Hmm, okay. So it's time, right? It's been a couple, you know, like four or five, six hours. It's time for me to nourish my body. What, what would feel good to you? What would you like to have that would be nourishing? Yeah, and also what do you, um, like we get to a certain point where we know what's good for us and what's bad for us and what the choices are. Oh, I'm saying good and bad too, uh, which is not part of the intuitive <laughs> eating thing as I understand it, but we know what's healthier and and um, and sometimes healthier don't. and what's more yeah. indulgent. But but mm -hmm. like you're saying, there are, there are times when having a piece of candy might be what you need to give you that quick sugar boost mm -hmm. and go go forward in the next thing that you're doing. But there, if you've got other work to do, maybe almonds are a better choice. Mm -hmm. So we know what better what quote unquote better choices are at mm -hmm. times, and sometimes we're still not going to make them, and that's okay. Yeah. We shouldn't be punitive and start beating ourselves up for those. Like Wendy was saying, you know, mm -hmm. we should definitely enjoy it that's my whole thing too like even as a vegetarian when mm -hmm. people who eat meat say to me like well i really don't eat that much meat i i feel more like i well then why are you telling me that i'd rather hear you say no i love my steak because mm -hmm. that's what I, if you're going to eat it i want you to love it because mm -hmm. if you're if you're just if eh, about it then then i want to say then why the fuck do you eat it right mm -hmm. so i don't have any problem with other people eating meat if they're really if they're enjoying it if they could Mm -hmm. kill and cook it themselves all of those things go for it mm -hmm. right so like enjoy it so if you are going to have the candy instead of the almonds like enjoy the candy don't mm -hmm. eat it and be like i am so bad i shouldn't be doing this mm -hmm. just like lean into it right mm -hmm. and enjoy it because the fact that you are punishing yourself then you're not even enjoying the sweet treat and if you do have almonds and go oh that's a better choice or that's a, a good choice and it sounds like astro doesn't like almonds but you know it's okay to go you know what i don't want almonds right now yeah. i want some 
some chocolate kisses and that's you know yeah. just exactly so it's not being but not abs- to beat yourself up about right. it right right not to say like but but i'm bad because i had because i had the kisses instead of the almonds yeah it's that bad good thinking and mm-hmm. you know it's like bread is the enemy like right. no it's my friend and i like bread i and love I'm, bread if i make you the enemy mm. then i'm gonna be doing some mind games in my head and and i don't i don't have time for that the world is in pain we have so much work to do and so some of the things that you're talking about i want to go back to the mindfulness which is that helps me which is drink water mm-hmm. um uh what helps me is breathing mm-hmm taking a beat before I just impulsively just just chew something kind of like what's going on with me right now mm-hmm. uh, what time of day is it mm-hmm. um, you know and and how am I feeling mm-hmm. and what what am I not paying attention to okay so like what's what's not happening you know can, can I just sit can I just sit either with calm.com or you know an app can I just breathe for like five little breaths? And then, you know, a lot of times that impulsivity or that, that yeah, that's that impulse to just go get some chips or some cookies or whatever just kind of goes away. It's really checking yourself. And, mm-hmm. and we have to because if we're not okay, nobody else around us is okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and again, I think it's all about forgiveness, self-forgiveness, self-compassion, you know, all of that. You know, I also just think that, you know, because Jenny had said something before, like, you know, we know what a healthier choice might be, might be the difference between candy and almonds. And, and I think society says that maybe almonds might be a healthier choice than candy too. Does that make sense? Because if you ask a registered dietitian, if you look at sort of like the makeup, like of an Oreo cookie versus like having like almonds, the way that the Oreo cookie is going to simulate in your body, you're still getting the same amount of nourishment and fuel that you need, right? But there's a difference between if that's all you're having all day, right? And you're, does that make sense? And like, you're not, does that mean if you're having sugar in the morning and lunch and dinner, and then you're all hyped up and then you don't have the energy, does that make sense? And so it's understanding fuel, fuel groups for you and your body and how it's assimilating. Cause there's sometimes it is, it is going to be a better choice to do almonds versus candy and your body makeup and what holistically, right. You've had for the whole day. And so I think, does that make sense? I'm looking at a macro level instead of the micro level, I guess, when I'm thinking about nutrition and fuel. I look at fuel groups is what I say, right? And a lot of people, including me, I, I, I know that when I feel good and on track, I will write down or log, mm-hmm. you know, my fitness pal. Not all the time. Mm-hmm. Once in a while, I'll forget. But I just now feel more grounded mm-hmm. when I do that. And it's not to look at uh, calories. It's just... So it holds me accountable that I look so that I can just see, you know, mm-hmm. to, I always say to myself, did I have some vegetables today? Did I have some fruit today? Mm-hmm. You know, just, just being grounded. It's mm-hmm. all in, 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 you know, so many people can be stressed without even knowing they're stressed. Mm-hmm. They go, 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 go. And nobody is breathing. Yeah. So we just got to stop and breathe. Um, what are some techniques, Candice, that would be helpful for people who who just need to just to check in with themselves with intuitive uh, eating? I love the four agreements. I'm really big into the four agreements. Do you guys know what those are? The four agreements is um, it is to be impeccable with your word. Um, it is to do your best. It is to um, not make assumptions and don't take it personally. 
and it's always like four things you always go back to when you kind of get into motion mind. Um, and um, so I always suggest my clients either read the book and I've got some cards that I use too as well. And you definitely can pull in evidence base for that. You can bring in some CBT and DBT and you can do some psychodynamic work. But I, bottom line is that the things we always say, first and foremost, just like you said, take a deep breath, right? Before, just because you have a thought and a feeling doesn't mean it's the truth, right? And so if your thoughts are going haywire, right? If, you, if you've got big feelings, just take a break. Take a deep breath, take a walk around the block, reach out to your community, right? Reach out to your friends, find a good support group, reach out to your support group members. Um, and then that's when the work starts. And the work I always say is out of those four agreements, you know, where can you find something that fits into one of those agreements and see if you can do the work? Because usually sometimes it, if more often than not, like 99.9% of the time, it's something that's going on there, right? Where I, I don't understand what you mean what you, when you're saying that out of 10 times when you're hungry, when you're... Yeah, like, like in the sense of like, we were like, I'm feeling really... Um, I am feeling overwhelmed and I'm just so upset that I've overeaten, right? That I just, I raided the the freezer or whatever, right? And so that's where I go into, let's talk about being impeccable with your words. Like what was going on for that moment? What what were some of the negative self-talk that you were saying to yourself? I'm a failure. I'm a loser. If I'm a failure and loser, then no one's going to love me. If no one loves me, what's going to happen? It's the what if, what if, what if, right? No one's going to love me. I'll be alone for the rest of my life, da 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 well, no wonder you isolated and you felt so horrible about yourself, right? Maybe can we go back to, you know, being humanity into it, right? Like doing your, that's doing your best, part of the four agreements. Did you do your best that day? Yeah, I just had a really awful day. Something horrible happened. Are you a human being? Yeah, I'm a human being. Okay, let's talk about that. You had a really awful day. Something bad happened. As, as you're describing it to me, you rated the refrigerator. And so let's move on. Does that make sense? And like the self-forgiveness, self-compassion moving on. I just want to say- Is one... that a good example for you, Jenny? I'm sorry, love. Yes. No, that's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I just want to say also that often I will tell my clients, it's not about you. With all respect, it's not about you. I care how your feelings are, but let's just open it up a little bit about- goals and and your life and work to be done in this world i'm really into volunteering and kind of getting out of your head and into other situations astro really likes volunteer work get out of your head and into there's so much work to be done in this world and it's a nice distraction mm-hmm. right and as well and i think that the to return to where the conversation started with this uh, opinion piece um, one of the things that I liked about it was it, it basically is saying using intuitive in, uh, eating as a um, as one way to get there can we change the way we think and talk about food and our bodies um, she was specifically talking about women but I feel like as people because I know, again, that it both it's cross genders, all genders and gender identifications that we have. We are culturally indoctrinated into this idea of, of having to be a certain size, shape, weight. Um, and, and it just becomes a huge part of our conversations. And while on some levels, I know that that's important and inevitable because that's how we communicate and share information and how we get healthier but the goal being 
where it's not an obsession in, in our lives, where we're not thinking about what we're going to eat all the time and what we should and shouldn't eat and, um, you know, what we ate last night and what we hate about our bodies. I mean, the main gist of the piece that I got was that, like, can we get to a point where we can just be okay with how we are, how we are physically, how we are behaviorally in these ways. In, um, Louise Hay. I love my body, affirmations, visualizations, mm -hmm. getting in touch. Louise Hay is amazing mm -hmm. and has beautiful um, affirmations. Inspirational cards. Especially too. for the body. Yeah. yeah. She's great. Yeah. Because it all goes back to love, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. To love, to love yourself and to be okay with how you are and, and to take care of yourself, uh, you know, to do right by your body because you love your body and because it's the it's the only one you got so you know it's 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 your car take you want to take care of it you know how do you feel when you when you're taking good care of your car and but not in an obsessive way but in a way where it's going to last and, and you know Marianne Williamson always talks about there's two emotions fear and love mm -hmm. and so i think it takes a lot of courage and strength to take a look at what's not working in our life mm -hmm. and um, and you know the fear around whatever wounds are going on and and really work on them so that you can love yourself and in turn then you'll be able to bring love in to the world and also um, you know give love and feel settled because we all want to be happy and donuts. I want to be happy and I want donuts. I'm not really into donuts. I'm more like a salt chip salsa, like nuts, like salty. I wish I were. I don't care about sugar. I'm not going to beat myself up about it, but I, I wish I were more of that palate. I'm just a sugar sweet, so, you know. I would like to tell you today is National Ice Cream Day in Ooh. the world. And yeah. everywhere they're giving free, free ice, cream. ice cream. Oh, well, that's a perfect place to wrap up. Yes. All right. Any other thoughts? Anything else we want to add? or? I, 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 I definitely want to, because we talk so much about like, food and body image and body awareness and um, I want to do a little plug-in for a couple of uh, communities that I'm like huge supporters of. One is called Eating Disorder Information Network which would be myeden.org. It's m-y-e-d-i-n.org. I love it so much because it really talks about not just saying you have an eating disorder, right? It's much more just an openness to find resources, right? Like I'm a little concerned about like how I'm feeling about my body or maybe I have body um, dysmorphia or maybe I, you know, maybe it's not an eating disorder. Maybe it's this, I don't know what it is, right? So I feel like it's, um, it's very user-friendly um, and it's not for profit, right? So nobody's, you know, there's no, um, no one's making, right? Does that make sense? No one's like making heads on beds money from it, which I really believe in. Um, I also love NIDA, which is the National Eating Disorder Association. They're amazing. And ANAD, which is Anorexia Nervosa and Other, Disor other Associated Disorders. So NIDA and ANAD. Um, and those are, they, they will list like um, free support groups for men and women. They'll list like, you know, sliding scale um, registered dietitians and, um, and therapists nationwide. And if you have, they have hotlines. So um, they do, um, 
community fundraisers nationwide. So those are like my three go-tos. And Linda Bacon, too, is great for health at every size if you want to check her out, too. And one thing to add to that, you can also go to intuitiveeating.org and get a list of people, dietitians, therapists, counselors, mm -hmm. uh, people who are certified in intuitive eating uh, local to where you are. Uh, if Or you just want to get more information, go on what intuitive eating is. And health at every size, H-A-E-S, called HAES, too, as well. Excellent. And I'll put all of that in the show notes. Dr. Wendy's Dream Journal. Yeah, okay. A uh, quick dream journal is uh, maybe your relationship with your uh, body growing up and food. And I really think it's important what we see growing up in our family and the messages you saw growing up with your parents. Yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. What are the messages you got? Yeah. And what do you want to undo? You know, part one is what you saw growing up that may be negative or damaging uh, to your relationship with food and your body. And then part two, which is how you would like it to be. Uh, the beautiful, loving, caring, supportive, regulated way. And um, who are some of your role models? Who are some people? What, what does that look like? to have someone besides us very loving with your body <laughs> and knowing you are the bomb and that you can embrace yourself as long as you're healthy and celebrating life so part one and then part two so the past and then the future yes there you go old story new story there all right so candace where can people find you uh Excellent. And you are now back in Los Angeles and taking private clients. Yes, I am. In Westwood. All right. So we will also have her information in the show notes. You can find me, Jenny with an I. Uh, I am on Twitter at Jenny JV Wilson, Instagram at The Preppy Rebel, email Jennifer JV Wilson at gmail.com. Uh, my website is JennyJVWilson.com. We're both on Facebook, and you can find Wendy on her YouTube channel. And my Twitter at drwendy. No, no, your Twitter is. Oh, oh gosh, see, I, oh my God, thank you so much. And my Twitter at askdrwendy, and my Instagram, I am drwendy, and um, our phone number, 310-712-1230. So thanks for listening. Send us questions, comments, topic suggestions. Thank you, guys. Yeah, subscribe, toss us some stars, leave us a review on iTunes. Love, love, love. Yeah, until next time, as I always say, be as authentically yourself as you can possibly stand. And <laughs> stay open, especially with squeaky toys and Astro. Play with your squeaky toys. Baby. Hi. Yeah. Yay, Candice.
make sure that you get the ball close to your mouth. Get <laughs> that testing, ball. Testing one, two, three, testing. Get that ball. 